Hello everybody, this is Ken Fallon uh, here at OggCamp 12 and we're walking around the exhibition hall. The first people we come to is the Linux, Liverpool Linux user group. How are you doing? Who are you and why are you here? Uh, I'm Bob Ham. Uh, we're actually Liverpool Linux user group and Manchester Free Software here today. Yeah. Uh, very good. And uh, what have you come to do? What do you hope to achieve here? Um, we're just kind of um, uh, here to represent, I guess, the, the, the local kind of community. Um, at Liverpool Linux, Linux user group, we kind of um, we just have meetings and uh, you know talk about Linux and whatnot. And same with Manchester Free Software. With Manchester Free Software, though, we, we kind of campaign a bit more for um, uh, for free software for the principles of free software. Um, and we're just kind of here to to spread the word and make people aware of uh, of what we're doing and what we're up to. Really. Are you hoping to get some people to join your organisations? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we don't have any kind of, or, or certainly uh, Liverpool Lug, we, we don't really have any kind of strict organisation as such. It's just more kind of um, casual, come along and, and be part of it if you want, you know, and there's no, there's no designated uh, members or anything like that. Um, and obviously, the, 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 purpose, the purpose is kind of just to, uh, uh, I guess, do, uh, do things that people in the group uh, and... Are, are interested in and to share that with other people who who might be interested uh, and i guess that, that that's the thing to kind of uh, to to hold events that um that we're interested in and that other people can can come along to if they if they're interested to it as well what uh, what type of events are there and there are many people come along um well yeah we we, we have quite a quite a few members um quite a few uh, people come along um but we have kind of monthly meetings uh, where we hold talks usually, and we've had quite a quite a, a variety of different speakers um, from the local area uh, and further afield. Uh, and uh, that's we 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 have a a social meeting every month as well in the pub. Um, Very nice. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, and kind of um, we we I guess this really the the Og camp is I think probably our first kind of uh, venture into to, to something more than that. But I hope it it won't be the last. Okay, great. I uh, hope you have a good show, and I'll talk to you later. Thank you. Okay, I'm here at the Bite Mark um, stand, and I'm talking to Tim Dobson. Uh, Hi, Tim. I saw you here last year. Yes, that's right. Um, I've been to Ogcam a number of years in a row now, and it's a it's a great event. Um, we're here to talk about um, hosting and all of that kind of thing, but that's you know just part of the whole event. Um, it's a great event that we're very happy to be supporting um, because there's such a, a great community here. It's, in fact, it's one of my favourite events of the year that we go to because the community is just fantastic. Kind of when people go out and have lunch or uh, chat, it's a very community feeling rather than you know some of the conferences where you're not quite sure whether you'll be welcome in a conversation. At Old Camp, it's always kind of yeah, just come along, we'll have have a chat um, and. Uh, that's one of the great things about the event, and that's why we keep coming back and sponsoring. You, I was just going to say that. You are one of the major sponsors here, and you know when you think of a company sponsoring an event, you imagine people with uh, s- uh, suits and ties coming down, but I don't think you would fit into that category. No, I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yes. We, we're not really a suit and ties company, to be honest. I mean, we're not really a suit and ties company, to be honest, and everybody... Um, kind of in the office wears shorts and sandals and so it's a very kind of community and open source focused company and we're that's why Og Camp's such a kind of great mix, great match for us um, and I'm glad to be here. Um, 
seriously, if you are considering hosting, I know uh, we have our own sponsors here in Hacker Public Radio, but for example, you might want to consider moseying on over to bitemark.co.uk. Yeah, well, actually, that's an interesting kind of point because we've, and one of the areas that I'm here working on is um, open, we do, do a lot of open source outreach, and so a lot of open source projects um, come to us looking for sponsorship for their project. And if you're kind of an up-and-coming open-source project, we already sponsor things like XBMC, OpenStreetMap, um, Coppermine PHP Gallery. Um, and there's nothing... Just give me, drop me an email, tim at bitemark.co.uk, and the worst I can say is, I'm sorry, we can't do anything this time. But you also should seriously look at, into their hosting. It's quite reasonable, and you get a good deal. Okay, I've said it. Are you happy now? <laughs> yes, happy. yes. Okay, thanks. Um, any, are you planning to attend any of the talks or any of that? Or do you know not yet? Uh, many of the talks. Hopefully some good ones. I'm not sure what's happening yet, but um, yes, I'm definitely planning to attend some talks. Okay, cool. Talk to you later. Bye. Hi, this is Ken, and we're coming to talk at the Open Rights Group booth here at OGCAMP 12. Hi, how are you doing? Who are you and what are you representing? I'm Ryan Jandubi, and as you alluded to, I'm representing the Open Rights Group. Okay, who and what are the Open Rights Group? The Open Rights Group are a campaigning organisation that campaign on digital rights issues in the UK and we join up with other organisations that campaign on similar uh, things in Europe. And what sort of campaigns would you be doing? Uh, our main areas are in censorship, open data and, f- and free data and um, censorship, open data and privacy. Okay. And do you have any particular campaigns that you're running at the moment? Um, One of the recent ones was this mobile censorship report that we did. Um, It's actually very interesting if you start looking into that. uh, The types of websites that uh, are blocked by default on mobile networks, Uh, it it varies by by network, but um, it's, it's... isn't that really a good thing for people that, you know, you're not going to accidentally stumble upon some uh, adult content as you're on the train? Well, I'm all for that. I, I, if, the, if you're the sort of parent that wants to protect your kids from that, or if there's something that you don't want to see yourself, then absolutely you, you should have the option. That's a service that mobile networks are providing, arguably. But the issue with it is that it shouldn't be on by default. Um, and... The, uh, not only that, but the sort of the opacity of the uh, why things are blocked. Because when it's on by default, you, you don't know what you're not seeing, um, and that's a, a dangerous path to go down. We feel. You were mentioning earlier that some of the uh, some religious organisations were. Yeah, uh, people were finding that it was it wasn't just as you were saying, like sort of smut that that gets blocked, but sort of like church websites and things and. And again, like that shows how like non-transparent the thing is because people just weren't really sure why these things were getting blocked, and it was quite a problem. And this is just on by default, and nobody has really an option. It's done. Is there any legislation that requires them to do this? Not that I know of in the UK. Uh, I think it's it's there are organisations that you know other campaigning organisations that that would seek to censor what by default what people are exposed to on the internet because they see the internet as a negative thing altogether perhaps okay and um what what are you hoping to achieve here by uh, having a booth um spread the word about the organization uh and the work we do and hopefully sign up a few more members and what do you get if you become a member 
today only. I've got some T-shirts from OrgCon, which was a few months ago. So you get a, you get a T-shirt from me, and you'll also get um, sent to you through the post uh, a, a copy of um, the IT Crowd on DVD. Okay, and uh, how can people get involved if they're uh, living abroad, for instance? If you're living abroad, um, I, I personally, I, w- I would strongly recommend that you get involved with things going on local to where you are. Um, because, as I said, there's um, organizations all across Europe. Well, there's the FSF Europe, of course. Um, there's also... Um, I, the, the name of the network isn't coming to my mind right now, but if, if you look uh, on... That, like the the work that was done against ACTA, that was a, a very much a pan European effort, and there were there were groups along the same lines as the Open Rights Group in, in different countries that were campaigning against that. Um, if you're further afield, um, probably your your local lug would be able to uh, join you up with organisations that sort of uh, go into the this whole digital rights space. But if you want, if you were abroad and you wanted to support org in the UK, um, the mailing lists are are very active. You can get involved that way. Uh, I think. Uh, a big way that you could people could help out is reading i mean it sounds very bland but reading government reports reading green papers like keeping up to date with the next movement on various of these topics because there really there, there's a lot of material and and it a lot of what people spend their time working at the org office doing is just really getting to grips with legislation at the at the local level at the national level and at the european level and you, you need to keep all these everything in in vision and just have enough of that knowledge to be able to feed back into the process raise the flag if if something comes up i mean certainly i mean if you raise, I mean, members could raise the flag if something comes up but i mean certainly if if you if you want to if there's a particular topic that you want to inform yourself enough about in order to to feed back into policy i mean start a discussion on the mailing lists um there, there's a, a supporter council also that you can get involved with who um i i don't know if they, this wouldn't apply so much to people who are further afield uh, like you were saying before but if, if you are based in the uk um there's a supporter council that you could get involved with and and our aim for that is to start more local regional groups because as, as i was saying i think um it is good i mean all camp doesn't happen every week unfortunately and it, it's it's good to get people meeting face to face and discussing these things um and also i think if you're if you're meeting face to face um locally it gives you more of an opportunity to think about going out and engaging with local people who might be um concerned or have concerns about privacy or about censorship but wouldn't necessarily be technically inclined because these are these are cross-cutting social issues really they're not they're not just sort of digital rights issues they are they are sort of fundamental rights issues um and and certainly getting involved with local groups i think is a good way to uh feed into that do you think that the uh, tide is beginning to turn um you know after the relative success of the stop acta thing uh, do you think people are beginning to now become aware of these privacy issues become aware of the censorship issues and that they need to be more involved and more protective of what's going on um there there is an awareness i mean the the, the response to acta uh, made made a lot of headlines and and that was that was a good thing um it would have been good if they if those headlines included some more pointers to organizations that people could get involved with but i mean as, as far as the general public i think people have always had uh, a, a sense of privacy in their own personal information um and you know the way people react to google or facebook i mean that's that's not something that people haven't had to be trained into that's natural on the other hand censorship is something that i don't think people have a nose for like they, they're not sort of 
attuned to calling it out when when they see it um and partly because it is so sort of insidious that you, you don't see it by its very nature so i think there does need to be more education in that in that sphere um but you're protecting the kids kids do need protecting but depend that i i I don't think there's any substitute for engaged parenting. Uh, I don't think you can sit people in front of screens and expect the screens to do and say the right thing. And yeah, I mean, that's all. I well, I, I always have the, as a parent myself, I have the feeling like, you know, you can put up as many barriers along the roads as you like, but you need to train your children. Don't go on the road. Don't go on the road. Don't go on the road. And you need to be there. But anyway, I might do a topic on that on HPR. Great. Um, great to talk to you again. Sorry for messing up the interview three times already, um, <laughs> and I look forward to uh, look forward to hearing a show from you in the in the future here in Hacker Public Radio. Hi, I'm down at the Exhibitors Hall, and I'm talking to Dan Lynch. Hi, Dan. How's it going? Good, good. Bit mad. Bit mad. How did it go so far? We're on the very start of the show. What happened? Uh, well, what happened first was the registration was a bit mad because we didn't have enough people, we didn't have enough space for people, so it was a bit of a, uh, a jam down there. It was kind of a bit of a uh, yeah, bit of a boot bottleneck down there, but we're all sorted now. But that wouldn't be our camp if things didn't go no, 100% no, according to plan. Exactly, yeah. Um, now it's all great. Le- all the crew are doing great. Les is really busy helping out. He keeps everything running. It's a fantastic venue here, I must say. It is. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. And we've got to thank uh, John Moore's University, Liverpool John Moore's University, who own this building. Yeah. Um, this is the Art and Design Academy, and they've given us kind of run of the building, which is amazing. So it's fantastic. Listen, I'm going to let you go. Thanks very much for putting on the show, and I'll talk to you tonight. No problem. Thanks very much. And I'm talking to? Anya McGuire from Scraper Wiki. And Anya, can you tell me what Scraper Wiki is? Scraper Wiki is a platform... Uh, for liberating data, public data across the web. And we want to try and help coders do stuff with data across the web. And when you say data across the web, what exactly are you talking about? Um, Talking about lots of uh, data being published by governments all over the world. You can't do anything with it. You bring it into the Scraper Wiki truck, you turn it, you structure it, and you get it into a nice format that everybody can reuse. But surely governments of the world would like to publish their data in open formats that's easily accessible to the people who are paying them. Absolutely, I think, and and governments hopefully will get to that point, but they're not there or anywhere near there at the moment. So the the first prerogative for them is really to publish at all. And I think many many departments in the UK, many many state departments in the United States, for example, where we've got a large user base, they're just basically saying publish and be damned, and that's what they're doing. But the difficulty is it's very difficult to reuse that data. So what ScrapeWiki is is kind of a place where uh, coders can help get that data and make it available in a reusable format. And uh, how would uh, how would you go about doing that? Say uh, say some public service decides that they need to put their uh, they're required by law to put their information on the website and they put it up in PDFs, for instance. Right, so Scraper Wiki is, as it says, kind of says what's on the tin. It's uh, we would have data scientists and coders who would go to that website. They would scrape that PDF. Uh, they'd set up a schedule so that every time that PDF's updated by that state department or by the local county council or by the local uh, NGO or whoever is actually publishing that data, they would uh, set up a schedule and then that scraper would run and rerun and keep rerunning and refreshing the the, the data store, the Scraper Wiki data store, and then they can download it as. 
whatever format they like, they can download it in JSON or they can download it as a CSV or they can download it in Excel. And actually do something with it. And actually do something. And join the data sets together. I mean, we're doing a bit of work for the Cabinet Office in the UK at the moment and they have lots of departments uh, and the, much as they do want to talk to each other, it's very difficult because they've got behemoth systems that have been around for qu- quite a long time. So we're doing a scraping different departments and actually joining those data sets together. That is fantastic. I think you heard about your project on Floss Weekly, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Mike, I think my colleague Francis Irving was on Floss Weekly, uh, Floss Weekly some time ago. Uh, he's our CEO and uh, a wonderful gentleman. So. Okay. Listen, what we're going to do is put a link uh, to that in the show notes for this episode and I uh, hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you very much. Well, I think Og oh, Camp looks, it's my first time here. It's very exciting. The programme looks brilliant. It's wonderful. We're a Liverpool-based organisation, so it's fantastic to have the opportunity to support Dan Lynch and all his team here. Cool, thank you. Hi, this is Ken Fallon. I'm down uh, at OGCAMP 12, and I'm talking to... Uh, Tristan L. Now, I spoke to you before, I believe. Yes, you did, yeah. And unfortunately, my MP3 player died a slow and horrible death. Actually, it was quite fast, but... Uh, so, listen, can we redo the interview, if you wouldn't mind? Yeah, that's no problem. Okay, you're, you've got a um, music software jukebox uh, project. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yes, it's actually written by a couple of friends of mine, but uh, there are some of us who have written clients for it. Um, essentially, an, it's a networked uh, jukebox system where the user queues their own music rather than choosing the music from an existing list. So it's useful for parties and hackathons and things like that um, for people to uh, send their own music into a queue. And it's based on the LPD, if I'm... Uh, it's similar, yes. It, it's inspired by the um, LP hack, which is using a print demon to print music. Pretty cool, pretty cool. Yeah, so it's it's that done properly, essentially. Okay, and what's the website? Um, you can find the the website at uh, hgd.theunixzoo.co.uk, I think. Okay, okay. And uh, what's your contact details so that people can get in touch with the project? Or what's the best way to get in touch with the project? Um, probably just by going on there and uh, you can from there you can get to the uh, code repository on GitHub and um, all the information about uh, uh, package archives for different Linuxes and things like that for it and uh, what's your role in the Um, I've actually written one of the GUI clients for it which runs on uh, Mac, Linux and Windows which allows you to submit uh, music um, and view the album art of what's currently playing and look at what's playing and vote music off if you don't like it and all that sort of stuff. So, so could you like uh, stream, say, in your house? Could you stream to various ter- different music to different locations? It actually doesn't have streaming support at the moment. It uses mPlayer as a back end. Very nice. Yes. Yeah, so there's some work at the moment to get a VLC back end on it and, and you should be able to provide streaming through that but there isn't any uh, native streaming support built into it. So it's essentially a queuing system for mPlayer. That's right, yeah. That is actually quite nifty and handy. Yeah. Uh, now, listen, um, you're here at Old Camp 12. Any plans to go and see some talks? Uh, I haven't decided yet. Uh, and the uh, talk schedules are a bit empty at the moment, so I'm going to see what comes up. Okay, thank you very much for interviewing again the second time and uh, look forward to uh, buying your point later on. <laughs> Hi everybody, this is Ken here at uh, OGCAM 12 and I'm down with Peter Cannon from the uh, Dick Turpin Roadshow. Hey, how are we doing? All right? Not too bad. How's life? Uh, yeah, really good, really good. I'm uh, enjoying it a lot. 
Have you uh, any plans to go and see any of the talks? Uh, yeah, I'd like to. Um, I'm not sh- too sure about today. Um, obviously, myself and Matt, as part of TDTRS, are funny enough doing something later on. Um, I particularly are you at liberty to say? <laughs> well, I'm not quite sure what's going on there because we were sort of sworn to secrecy, but then, from what I can gather, the secret's out. Um, there's going to be a bit of a quiz later on today between um, Linux Outlaws and UUPC. Uh, nice. Yeah, which uh, we have total control over, so you can imagine. So, as you can imagine, with uh, the TDTRS format, there's going to be lots of fun. Fantastic. Hope you enjoyed the show and I look forward to uh, having a beer with you later on tonight. Excellent. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Ken Fallon here at OGCAM 12, um, just here at the Hacker Public Radio booth, and somebody's walked up and wants to talk about the project. Hi, uh, my name is Michael McDade. Um, I'm here just to talk a little bit about Viznos, which is an e-learning uh, website, which basically at the moment provides online, online learning resources for teachers to use on their interactive whiteboards, for things such as teaching the times tables, division, lots of different um, aspects of primary school maths. The site is actually going under a big change, and in September I hope to launch with a lot of new, of new features, which will involve a lot more interactivity using the children of the class, the photos. It's going to be quite exciting, but that's all coming middle of September. And is this a free software project? Um, at the moment, the, everything is completely free. They may be charging in the future. And uh, do you release it under an open source FLOSS license or is it a proprietary application? Uh, at the moment, uh, it would be proprietary. Okay, not to worry. And uh, what do you hope to do with your website? Uh, I just hope to inspire teachers around the world to use the software and I hope to uh, change the way people are talking about maths and how they learn. And um, how would this compare to something like Blackboard, for instance? Well, Blackboard is kind of specialised for putting content on for a syllabus kind of you know, it basically goes into a lot more detail. Mine is much more, I suppose, more like an app in uh, terms of it does simple things in a simple way, teaches certain concepts in an easy-to-understand visual way. Okay, there are many different ways for to learn the tables, for example, or to teach maths. Uh, how do you do that uh, if, uh, if it doesn't fit in with the method that the particular school is following? Well, um, there's many ways to skin a cat, you could say. Um, this is just one particular method. In particular, mine works by showing uh, visual representation of tables. So in this case, uh, you can show fish moving in and out of a rectangular array. So it's quite easy for a children to see the 4 times 2 is just a lineup of 4 fish by 2 fish. Or to see the square numbers, for example, a 5 by 5 fish or 6 by 6 fish. They can see the square shape. That is uh, actually quite interesting because uh, my daughter's class, they forbid them looking at the tables, uh, anything visual when they're learning maths at all. That surprises me because uh, I think if a child doesn't see a visual representation of what the tables are, they'll never get the concept. Okay, thank you very much. Listen, can you uh, repeat once again your uh, website and the contact details? Yeah, it's www.viznos.com. And how would you spell Viznos? V-I-S-N-O-S dot com. Thank you very much. Listen, are there any shows that, or any um, talks that you want to do? Are you planning on doing a talk on this? I haven't decided yet. If it will be, it will be um, tomorrow. Yeah, you should definitely do a talk about this. There's enough parents walking around here, and believe me, um, maths is becoming such an important thing that uh, people would like to know about it, and um, you might have some people who will be able to test it out for you. 
Excellent, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Go sign up now. Bye. <laughs> Press the recording device and you will record them. And you'd say something like this. How are you doing? Um, my name is Ken Fallon. I'm sending in a Hacker Public Radio show report from on Camp 11, oh God, uh, 12. And uh, who are you and what are you doing? Uh, I'm Fab uh, from Linux Outlaws. I'm just running around here right now and I'm uh, with a camera actually. And now we're kind of interviewing each other, which is driving me insane. It's, it's uh, very meta. So that would be it. That would be the segment. And then you just simply then stop your recording. Hello, this is Ken Fallon at OGCAM 12. I'm down here at the exhibition hall, as you do, trying to connect to wireless. And then I realized, you know, my wireless isn't working. And if I was running a proprietary operating system, I would need to jump in an airplane, fly to Cappuccino or Cupuccino or uh, where's Seattle, Washington, to find the person who's written the operating system to have them fix it. No, folks, that's not necessary here, not when you're running Crunchbang Linux, because when anyone has a wireless issue with Crunchbang Linux, the creator of Crunchbang Linux walks over to you and says, I'm going to fix that personally. And to that end, <laughs> I'll introduce Cornominal. Hello. So, how's it going? How's life? Yeah, it's going well, mate. Yeah. Are you enjoying the show? Yeah. And tell me, you've thrown off this mortal coil, you've said F you to the man, and you've started your own company. Can you give me the website of your own company, please? Um. Well, yeah, it's, uh, if you just type Crunchbang into Google, you'll... Yeah, pretty much. And how is it going for you? Yeah, it's going well. So it's slow to begin with, but, it, you know, it's picking up, so, yeah. Okay, and um, what sort of services do you offer the general public? I don't. I don't it's, um, I'm not, I'm, uh, basically, I'm working full-time at the moment on Crunchbang, so... The um, and the way it's you know it's um, generating an income via donations and you know a bit of AdSense on the website. So that's pretty much it. And that's enough to keep uh, the roof over your head. Yeah, I mean I'm lucky in the fact that Becky works as well. So you know we've got two incomes coming into the house. So you know it's it's um it's quite a popular it's quite it's quite popular Crunchbang, which surprises me more than anybody else I think. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, users are pretty generous and it's uh, yeah it's going all right and say um i wanted to do, uh, s- support the project how could i go about doing that um you can i know you don't like this by the way but i, I feel very uncomfortable because um <laughs> anyway if you want to support the project you can go to the Crunchbang website and there's various different ways there you can support it by uh, subscribing and throwing a few quid to this guy so he can continue working on an excellent excellent operating system this HP laptop that I'm what? apart from it doesn't work at conferences because the Wi-Fi you can't connect via Wi-Fi can you? well that was my fault because I didn't uh, set it up before I came here and I was here. yeah well Yes, but here, here we see you're going to sit down, you're going to hopefully resolve the issue and improve it. So that's, uh, yeah, it could be difficult. <laughs> okay, <laughs> thank you very much, uh, Phil. Is Becky around? She is, she's upstairs playing with a 3D printer. Ah, excellent. I need to mosey up that far and get some interviews. You do. Okay, talk to you later. Bye.
And here we are down in Alcam 12 again, and we're talking to Les. How are you doing, Les? I'm fine, mate. I'm really, I'm fine. It's been a hectic first thing, but I'm getting there. I'm happy. Everybody seems very chilled out, very relaxed. Down to you, I guess? Not down to me, down to the crew. The crew have been fantastic. They've turned up, done the job, with very little instruction from me, so fair play, brilliant. It was very funny, you came down the stairs this morning in the hotel and you got this army of geeks ready to rock. And I said to myself, said to my friend, Paul, that's the crew. Yeah, I know. 26 people this year with uh, 420 tickets allocated for delegates. It's been really, really busy, but the crew have pulled it off. A few hiccups to start with, but happens at every event. Nothing runs perfect. But I really am happy that the crew just got with it and did the job really well. Absolutely excellent. We even had the fire drill in here. We had a, we had a full um, <laughs> we had a, a full rundown on what we needed to do. So, um, you excited about what's coming up? I am. Yeah, I've not seen any talks yet. I've been too busy, but I'm excited to see the open hardware jam on the top floor. I've recently got into Raspberry Pi, Arduino, that sort of thing, and Bignition as well, which is a new 8-bit computer. And I'm really interested in getting a soldering iron and doing something. I've never soldered properly in my life. I, I built a badge three weeks ago that lights up, and I was ecstatic. I'm 33. I shouldn't be that happy about that, but I am. No, I completely know where you're going. By the way, Mr. X has done an excellent introduction to uh, soldering on HPR. If you go back, listen to the last few months, oh, you'll be able to get it. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good. So how are you doing um, otherwise? Um, the U-Cube event, were you involved in that? or? I am, yeah, U-Cube. That went off in April this year. Really well attended. 65 people. But for the size of the venue, it was fantastic. It's, it's tiny, the venue. Mad Lab in Manchester. Well, we only had one floor this year. Um, I'm currently planning Bar Camp Blackpool, which is happening in six weeks' time. All the tickets for that have gone already. 150 tickets. And we've got a really lovely conference venue this time. And we're getting spoilt rotten by them. Uh, free Wi-Fi, projectors, the food's fantastic, access to saunas and gyms and all that for hotel guests. It's brilliant. Very nice. And I must say this venue is fantastic here as well. John Moore's, it's fantastic what they've given us. It's huge, this space. You, you can't, you couldn't fill it today. We've got 400 people there. You couldn't fill it. No, no, you could not. And it's, uh, it's really relaxed. There's plenty of opportunity for people to come around. There's a whole go of people now fixing my laptop. Cornama, if you've already heard this uh, interview with uh, Philip, he has fixed his wireless issues and he's currently working on mine. So it couldn't be better. It, it's brilliant. It's crowdsourcing re- repairing your laptop. I like this. On the top floor, uh, Neil Morin, he's got some old Apple Mac G5 equipment and he's getting people to fix that for him. Oh, fantastic, brilliant, I love this um, Listen, I'm, if it's okay I'd like to meet you for later on at the end to do a wrap up of the show and we'll uh, tag that on at the end Okay, thanks very much Hello everybody, my name is Ken Fallon we're here at uh, the exhibition area and I'm talking to Dave How are you doing? Hi, I'm good, thanks Having a great time um, You might know him but he is the guy responsible for keeping me sane over the last few days while, as I was working through this uh, script for parsing the uh, Linux link site. So thank you very much for that help, Dave. Oh, you're very welcome. I was having a boring day and suddenly I got this message <laughs> saying help, help, help. <laughs> no, it's cool. You're also working on the back end for, the, um, for Hacker Public Radio as well. So if you're on the mailing list, you see the name coming up. Yep. So tell me, uh, what's the show like? I haven't seen anything. Can you tell me what's going on? 
Well, so far I've seen the opening opening address and uh, the thing that followed on from that, which is a talk about licensing, which is very, very interesting subject. Uh, it went into the areas of um, uh, the, the, whole, the whole business of copyright and uh, uh, the ownership of, of what you do in the open source arena. And, you know, that's, that's really deep stuff. And you know, I'm not sure that everybody, myself included particularly probably, uh, has really got the head around what that means, you know. Yeah. The stuff that you produce, what happens to it, and you know what what's your ownership of it, and why people now are so uh, patent conscious and uh, and just want to keep tight hold of everything and and sue sue the life out of you for for even daring to uh, to look to make something vaguely similar to it. It's it's all completely insane. But, uh, it was a good talk that particular one. Okay. I, other than that, I've just been looking at the the hardware. Hardware hacking area, which has been, which has been amazing. It's really, really good. There's some, some quite mind-blowing bits of kit up there. It reminds me of the old days of, you know, BBC micros and all, all of that sort of stuff. So yeah. So what's up there actually? Well, <coughs> Raspberry Pi is the big thing up there, uh, um, but also the 3D printing is. Uh, there's, there's a guy building a 3D printer, and there's a maker bot uh, up there as well. That's the. I think American origin yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 3D printer, which is a pretty cool device. Um, so, uh, oh, I, I forgot to say, I went to see a uh, talk about the Raspberry Pi and 3D printing, which was very, very well attended. Lots of enthusiasm. I imagine a few people would be rushing out to buy 3D printers after this. Yeah. Four, 400 quid a shot, we're told. Well, so, uh, yeah, still not too bad, you know. No, it's 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 uh, you know it's the sort of price that you could you could afford if you've. You know, saved. yeah. If you if you yeah. saved up some pennies, it's good. It's good. Um, yeah. So things like sewing, uh, embroidering. I think that, I think you can get sewing lessons up there. I, I didn't actually. I saw somebody being induced inducted into the uh, the the strangenesses of sewing things. So I don't know whether you can get <laughs> a lesson in in hemming or something. But uh, it's pretty good. It looks pretty good. Um, some various uh, other single board devices up there as well. So so yeah, that's some. And is this your first show? It is, yes. First time here. Not the first time in Liverpool, but uh, first time in uh, for an old camp. Looking pretty good. Looking pretty good. I'm looking forward to the rest of it. Yep. Okay, great stuff. Um, catch you later. And I'm talking to? Anna Morris from FSFE. Free? That's right. But I didn't want to talk to you about that, but now I'll talk to you about that. What's the Free Software Foundation Europe? Well, the person you need to speak to is actually just behind me at the moment called Sam Duke, but the Free Software Foundation Europe is a Europe-wide free software organisation which does many things from lobbying to kind of grassroots campaigns to local support groups called The Fellowship, which are really fun. Yes, we, uh, we had an interview here with him, uh, with, yes, with him uh, on HPR last year when we were at OGCamp. But I wanted to talk to you about the project that you were talking about a moment ago. What was that? Yes, um, I've started using an operating system called KX Studio, um, which has very interesting origins. It's very small and kind of not heard of, but it's the best that I've found for multimedia in a while. Um, it started because the guy who runs it was making some jack audio kind of applications, and I think he just wanted an OS to run them in for testing. It's got Ubuntu underneath and KDE on the top, and a jack kernel uh, thing running all the time with a live thing, and it's very fast. And it's so beautiful to use. It's by far the best kind of multimedia OS I've found in the past year. And no one's ever heard of it, so go look it up. It's KX Studio, and it's run by the Linux musicians people. 
the Linux musicians. Do are they? Do they have a podcast? Are they the open source? Okay. Anyway, that's diverting people from the um, from the topic. Anything else? Are you enjoying the show? I am. I'm having a great time running the booth here and things, and I've met some really, really interesting people. So. Ah, you snuck in the booth while I was doing something else. That's interesting. I must mosey over there. Okay. Um, I will thank you very much for the interview, and I'll talk to you later. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All Binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons, Attribution, Share Alike, 3.0 license.